0: This week, Jordan joins former NBA Lakers superstar and Oscar award winner Kobe Bryant for an unforgettable conversation that you don't want to miss. Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, Yahoo has officially released their daily fantasy football contests. They have a million dollar contest with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. It's a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. And Yahoo! also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest. There are plenty of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo! Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. So get started right now today at yahoo.com dailyfantasy. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson, live on YouTube and, of course, on your podcast device. Not live. Not live there. No, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Can you do that?
1: Can you do live? I don't think so, no. That, that would we, should be a do that. we should change the game. That would be a radio show, Steve. Oh, so it's been done before? I, yes, for a while, in fact. Welcome to PFF Radio. Mm. Yeah. That would seem like a backward step. This is
0: podcast number three. This week. Yeah. How are you feeling? This is back-to-back. This is like the second day. Back-to-back days for like an NBA player. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get a little break. It's tough. It's not easy.
1: Back-to-back. How are you feeling? It's like, uh, I it was like Renner with the basketball. I can't, play, can't play the Y back-to-back days because of his knee. I can relate. I can relate. Well, yeah, but you're old and, you know, night. I do huge. have about 10 years. You're up. large, old, and broken down. Yeah, He's, my joints are not handling right. our uh, noon
0: basketball games.
1: He's young and should be fine. But apparently, no.
0: Yeah, back-to-back's tough. Let's see how we, how we do. How'd you prep for the uh, podcast? Do you prepare? Do you do anything special to, to get fired up?
1: Like calisthenics, stretches, I that kind of thing?
0: Like I listen to the Rocky IV soundtrack you know, oh. that we love. You know, no, got me all fired
1: up. No, I didn't do that. So, well, to, I, might, today, I might be bringing the energy. Today is also the first day of the new audio setup. New audio. No so headset. This is where we need to hear. No headset at all. But we've got these cool, like, professional in earpiece things. On, don't show people. Why? It's a secret. It's like it's it, it looks professional. Part of the show. Yeah, but it's, it's like, like a magician showing his tricks. No, like they're not like supposed to be invisible. You see the thing hanging off like Tim Tebow when he does. But his we little put them thing. on our inside
0: ear on purpose so that people don't see them. Like that's part of the whole.
1: I still think it the, looks like we're TV professionals having one of these things hanging out of our ears. Yeah, that's true. And then when you, do, yeah, yeah, right.
0: that's good. All right, I'm very professional here. That's today. what I'm saying. I mean, less
1: professional now you that you've just shouted at me for saying it. Let us
0: know what you think of the audio. Yeah, anyway, let's get into it. Week three preview, okay? We're in week three already. Yeah, I say that every week. We're in week three, uh, Thursday night football for our podcast folk. You guys already saw the game, so I need to give a prediction.
1: Steve is going to predict what already happened from the past. I don't remember
0: what I predicted for whatever game the Titans played on Thursday night last year. Right. But I can almost guarantee it was Corey Davis-related. Huh. Right? Did I predict a big game for Corey? I did. We lost
1: Do we have... I know for the Titans, I had Derrick Henry's big game, right? Wasn't that our Titans thing?
0: Oh, maybe you did. Yeah.
1: Oh, so, all right. Let's do some some Corey Davis-type
0: stuff. All right, yeah. Corey Davis. Oh, God. Breakout. You <laughs> saw it. Thursday night football. In front of everybody. <laughs> Corey Davis had at least eight catches.
1: Wait, did he Did he beat up Jalen Ramsey now that Ramsey's no, on the trade no, block? No, no, no,
0: no, no. That's impossible. Oh, okay. That's impossible. No. He sat in some zones, caught some digs <laughs> in and out of uh, around the linebackers. He did not, didn't, didn't do much. Beat he
1: beat just, anybody. He just racked up He some probably catches. got shut
0: down by Ramsey those couple times that he got targeted. But everyone else.
1: Yeah? Corey Davis. The boy, he's dealing with, you know, some hip problems. You yeah. You think he'd be. Took advantage of that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So Corey Davis owning the rest of the
0: uh, Jaguars defense for, to the tune of at least eight catches. All right. And now go. he's over ten percent of the way to the goal that I predicted, a thousand receptions for Corey Davis.
1: Oh, like career? Yeah. That puts him over ten percent. about ten percent of the way there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. After how how long now? We're in year three. That's it's gonna need a steep acceleration in order to get to that. Either that or a Jerry Rice. i play Mariota. Durability, yeah, that's it what, just goes for twenty years. We're banking on that too. Okay,
0: banking on a lot of things. Um, I'm taking Tennessee. I took Tennessee to win prior to the you game. T- we both
1: took Tennessee. So man. Corey Davis, and they won. Therefore, leading
0: the Titans to victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what happened. Okay, that's what we're saying happened. That was quite Thursday
1: unexpected. Weekend. That I went Corey Davis. No, no, no. That that that, that happened. Oh, oh, that it was quite an unexpected turn of events. It was such a fun game mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah, Everybody makes fun of Thursday night, but not this week. The rest know. of us were shocked. You know. obviously saw it coming. Because, I saw it all coming. You know, you're the big Corey Davis guy. But the rest of us were mind-boggled mind when, when that happened. Mind-boggled. Yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure what I was shooting for there, but it wasn't that. But all right, work. Enough,
0: enough of the AFC South Thursday night matchup. Let's okay. get to
1: this weekend. Week 3
0: preview. The biggest game of the weekend has to be the Baltimore Ravens at the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: By the way, we should all just be very grateful that this isn't a color rush game. Oh, it's not? The Titans versus Jags? It's not, right? I don't know. It better not be, because I, I, I don't think I can deal with that. I don't pay attention
0: to whether or not they're doing color rush Do I they can't. even do color rush anymore? I don't think so. I haven't. I,
1: all I know is if this is color rush, we all have some major problems.
0: All I know is the Jags never should have lost their original uniforms. Yeah. They should have just kept those. They've they've crept back toward average, though, right? since last year. Yeah, it's certainly way better. Once they got rid of gold, things got better. If
1: this was that gold versus, like, solid blue thing, we would all have to just claw our eyes out. Gold is not... All right, don't even get me started. All right, now, Baltimore Ravens at the Kansas City
0: Chiefs. It's the biggest game of the weekend, Sam.
1: Yes, yes it is. This is fun. This is the Ravens against Patrick Mahomes and his witchcraft passing, which is just absurd. Yeah. Every week, it's insane. Like, he may not, he may not be play-by-play um, play the best quarterback in the NFL every single week, but he does more insane things than any other quarterback, and it's not even close.
0: Yeah, his grade is down right now only because he's, he's had two fumbles in the pocket that have been bad um, completely on him through yeah. two games. That's, you know, when you're on pace for 16 fumbles, that's not good. Not ideal. Um, and he, did miss, he has missed a bunch of throws um there were some miscommunications and various things on sunday that may have looked bad on tv but with, the more you watch him there were bad routes and stuff like that but he's missed uh, a few more throws than expected but the high-end stuff is still there leading the league in big time throws per usual yeah with eight um it is interesting though they did get shut down for three quarters against the baltimore ravens i mean uh against the oakland raiders the oakland
1: raiders yes, yes.
0: Three quarters, they're shut down, but they're still able to score 28. It just really shows how explosive they are.
1: Right, 28. In their worst games, they still score 28, Most teams shoot for 30 as a high watermark. They score 28 and a quarter. Yeah. It's insane. I I tweeted a thing during the week of one of these crazy throws that he makes where it's like leaning to his right, working through traffic, going back across spotty, across the field. Like the textbook throw that you don't ever try that. Never. Never try that or right. you will be benched, for simply attempting that throw. Like, there's a scale, right? Most quarterbacks, if they even try that throw, would have somebody on the sideline shouting at them. Like, what are you even thinking? That is idiotic. If you do that again, you're never starting again in this league. At the other end of the scale, you've got a Brett Favre, right? Who kind of made a career out of trying those throws, and half the time it would work out well, and the other half of the time it would be a horrendous interception that cost his team the game, and you'd be like, that's Brett Favre's biggest weakness. Is sometimes he just thinks too much of his arm and gets himself into trouble. I think he just remembered the ones that worked. Right. Yeah. But And, and the thing was, unlike every other quarterback who would get shouted at for even attempting it, the deal with Favre was you kind of had to let him do those because it would work every so often. And how do you tell him to stop doing it because of the ones that worked, right? Yep. And then now we've reset the, that end of the scale because you've got Mahomes where almost every single one of them is complete. Not even like... Not picked off. They're actually getting to where they're supposed to be.
0: He knows how to pick a spot. They don't even
1: look like poor attempts. They don't even look like ill-advised throws. He's just, like, lasering the ball in right to his receiver between coverage, across his body, across the... It's absurd. People are not supposed to be able to make those throws. Spatial awareness. But not just that, but the... Like, you know, you talk about arm talent and the ability to... The way he's throwing some of these passes, you should not physically be able to get the ball to where he's able to get it to. I would love to see, you know, when they do the um, the combine and Rich Eisen does his run, and then they like simulcam him versus other people, like regular football players and real athletes, and it looks kind of silly. I would kind of love to see those throws Patrick Mahomes makes, like simulcammed up against regular humans attempting them, and see <laughs> how far the ball got compared with where Mahomes was able to put it. Maybe like, that's the next thing Rich Eisen attempts Mahomes throws. Right. Like, he rifled this pass. It probably went 35 yards as the crow flies. If it was me throwing it, 20, maybe 15. Like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't get even in the same zip code to where he put it, let alone, like, at that kind of velocity. So, new combine events with Sam. So, that matchup, Kansas City
0: Chiefs offense against the Ravens defense. By the way, just in overall grade, it's teams number one, one and three going at it and I, the Ravens let me just double check. I just clicked on it
1: the Ravens time. D was the team that he hit that yeah, ridiculous no look against next year yeah or last year last, rather
0: on fourth down
1: right to so convert. it's not like even you know well, the uh,
0: Ravens gave him a really good game last year
1: against the best defense he's not going to be able to do that because he still is
0: so the other thing that the Ravens did everybody talked about last year hey they ran the ball they kept the ball away from the opposing offense like in that game they did put together a whole bunch of drives to essentially keep Kansas City off the field. So they did play that game extremely well. Yes, Baltimore has our top overall grade. It's Baltimore, then the Patriots, then the Chiefs. So it's one versus three here. Going back to the preseason storyline about Baltimore and their defense, we thought it was just one of those, hey, look, they're going coverage heavy. They got one of the best secondaries and a questionable pass rush. And while the coverage grade hasn't been spectacular so far, even after playing the Dolphins too, Brandon Carr's playing well. Earl Thomas still capable of, of making plays back there. Uh, Jimmy Smith lasted six snaps mm. so far through uh, through the first game. So that hurts a little bit of the depth. But Marlon Humphrey's back there. I mean, they've got um, Tony Jefferson. They've got the pieces back there, plus the creativity to make life really difficult on opposing offenses.
1: Yeah, it's... It's kind of interesting for the Chiefs because they they were held scoreless for three quarters. It's such a weird game where you can be held scoreless for three quarters but score twenty eight in the other one. Everything looks rosy overall because you made a ton of big plays. What but it was also like, that?
0: but it's also like there was a negated seventy plus yard touchdown, right? Where it's like, okay, they executed everything except one guy held. Yeah, you know, so it's just there was a fine line between them scoring more points. Um, but I love this matchup, Baltimore's defense their coverage ability. Uh, As far as pass rush goes, uh, Matthew Judon's been the top guy up front. They're getting a little bit from Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, Tim Williams. That's what we expected. It's all of those guys grading between 68 and 75 in our system as pass rushers. All of those guys, three to six pressures each. And they're all just mixing it up, right? Piecing together a pass rush as we expected. And they've got one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So that matchup's fantastic.
1: The thing that makes it really interesting this year is that this is a different, well, it's a different Lamar Jackson and therefore a different Baltimore offense. So last year it was, let's, if we can make life difficult for this Chiefs offense, keep them to a low scoring game, then we have a shot. Because basically, you know, there's no way they were going to match them on offense. Um, now, do you think they can match them? I don't know if they can match them, but Pat, or Lamar Jackson looks to be capable of putting up points in a way he was not last year. If he continues hitting the throws he's hitting, making those big-time throws when it counts, taking advantage of the easy, schemed-up stuff that's coming off the back of his rushing threat, like this team, what did they score, 24 the last time they faced each other? They can score 30 now against the Chiefs' defense, particularly against the Chiefs' defense. So now this team is much more capable of hanging with the Chiefs in some form of shootout game. Now, if it gets into the crazy numbers... You know, if Kansas City puts up 40, etc., which against the Ravens' defense would seem unlikely, but if they push it to that kind of level, they're probably not going to live with them, right? But yeah. if, if it's a vaguely low-scoring game, or at least a low-scoring by Chiefs' standards, they can actually hang with them in that kind of shootout.
0: I, I want to see where you know where does Lamar regress to? Because if you just look at the numbers, just the raw numbers, a completion percentage going from about 57% to 72%. It's only two games. But going up 15 percentage points, yeah, massive. To go from last year, he had a you know our fumble grade is one way of just saying okay when you do fumble how you know how much is your fault or to blame. He had a 23.7 fumble grade last year, meaning he had a lot of bad fumbles, whether it was rushing the ball or um, sacks in the pocket. He hasn't had a turnover worthy play yet this year, so no interceptions, no turnover worthy plays that should have been picked, and also no bad fumbles. So how far? How much can he keep that up? Yards per attempt is up three and a half yards per attempt. 10.5 this year versus seven last year. Is it just a two-game anomaly? Or is this truly a complete, you know, he developed. He just completely developed and and got
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the more fascinating questions. I mean, he ha- he is playing... Insanely well, but not to the point where you think this can't possibly continue, right? He's not doing anything otherworldly right now. He's taking advantage of the open throws, and he's hitting an occasional big-time throw. Now, it would seem like a massive departure from his typical baseline to stay at this, but it's not like he's reached a level where you're like, there's no way this could possibly continue. Like, he's not doing what Fitzpatrick did last year through two games, we like, there is literally no way this continues for any length of time. It's just yeah. impossible. It's playing at a level that is completely unsustainable. Like, Lamar's playing really well, but it's not at a level that you think this is, there's no way he can sustain this at all. Um, it is within, like, it's within the plausibility range that this is actually his ceiling, and he's just managed to hit it really quickly. So we're talking Lamar Jackson, Patrick
0: Mahomes, MVP candidates going head-to-head here in Week 3. One more thing I think we need to touch on. The Chiefs defense... Was terrible last year. Played a decent game last week against the Oakland Raiders. They have not been a disaster yet. However, we mentioned it on the Monday podcast. Chris Jones had the majority of the pressures in that game against Oakland. So far for the season, he has 11 out of 25 total pressures for the Chiefs. 11 out of 25. And Frank Clark is sitting there with one solitary
1: pressure on 68 pass rushes through yeah. two games. The Frank Clark thing is crazy. He needs to play dramatically better than that. There's Even if you take the opinion that he is a kind of overrated player, he's way better than he's shown so far. Oh, absolutely. So he needs to step it up. So that'll be part of the story.
0: Kansas City's ability to put a little bit of pressure on Lamar Jackson, make things easier on the back end. We'll see if Marquise Brown can keep up his incredible explosiveness, the rookie wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Where'd you go as far as your Pick goes Sam Casey. I also went Kansas City. We all did. That's going to get us a lot of hate. Oh yeah, people hate when we go. uh, The Ravens are equipped to uh, to slow down slow down the Chiefs. Should be the game of the week. Unanimous. That's the word I was trying to
1: dig out of my brain there. Unanimous.
0: We got it. Staying in the AFC, Houston Texans at the Los Angeles Chargers. I think this is a fantastic game. We've got playoff implications here. Uh, Two teams who certainly have their own issues. They've dealt you with know, injury concerns or just holes. Uh, my question for the Texans, similar stuff to last year. By the way, the offensive line has not been as bad as people thought, as bad as we thought. <laughs> They're ranked 17th in yeah. pass blocking grade.
1: They, and they were kind of moving in that direction last year. Like they'd gone from being utterly horrendous to being eh, not terrible in pass protection. So that part's been actually moving in the right direction for a while. But
0: Watson's still taking too many hits.
1: Yes. Which is exactly, honestly, this is like replicating Seattle just a few years later, right? It's, that line began as an absolute train wreck. It got steadily better. It was always going to look worse than it is because the quarterback is a part of that problem in terms of bringing pressure on himself. It's it's actually really amazing how closely those two are... um, how much history is repeating itself just in a completely different venue.
0: We'll we'll talk about um, Seattle, obviously, when we get there. But did you see who's got the fastest time to throw this year? Uh, I want to say I did, but I can't remember who it is. I just gave you the answer. It's Russell Wilson.
1: Is it Wilson? Russell
0: Wilson with the fastest time to throw. And time to throw for us, just the way we track it, from the snap to release. And that includes extending plays and scrambles and all that stuff. So for perspective for Houston Texans fans— Wilson was always one of the longest times, times in pocket, times to throw in the NFL, up at a high two seconds into the three seconds at times. Now he's at 2.26. Deshaun Watson, in year three here, has always been at the higher end, up in that three-second range. Right now he is 32nd out of 36, 2.95 seconds. So when you hold the ball that long, you are putting a little bit more pressure on the offensive line, or you're taking pressures that we're going to essentially – Assigned to you, we assigned two sacks to Deshaun Watson out of the four. I think he was sacked uh, on Sunday. So, by the way, Kirk Cousins has the highest to go with being, you know, part of the reason why he's been pressured sixty percent of the time. We'll talk about it when we get there. But Deshaun Watson is a part of the the pressure issue, so to speak. So a lot of you know, we used to say this about Cam and other quarterbacks when you have special ability. Special ability to throw the ball down the field, which I think Watson does. How do you balance making those hero plays, which he's pulled out extremely well,
1: balance those with, man, i got to take the easy
0: stuff when it gets there. Russell Wilson, too. It's the same idea, right? Right.
1: It's fascinating. When you look at who's given up the sacks for the Texans, they've got a couple of offensive linemen that have given up one. Laramie Tunsil, who they just traded for to solve their offensive line problems, has given up two. And, um, and Deshaun Watson is the one that we've charged for the most with three. Yeah. So, like, it's it's not the way you would expect that breakdown to be. If you're a Texans fan, thinking, "Oh, the line's terrible. All the guys that aren't Tunsil are garbage. They're the problem." I mean, not you know, not necessarily. But overall, Watson,
0: eighty five point two grade. He's a top ten quarterback. Yeah,
1: for us right now, the way he's playing, to play really well.
0: So he's playing well. But here's what here's what the point I was trying to get to with the Texans last year at this time. We were like, "Man, how are they winning all these games?" The secondary is playing. Above and beyond expectation. This year, we had this. We had similar low expectations for the secondary, and they're not playing well. Yeah, and they already released out Aaron Colvin. Yes, but they do not have a great secondary. That could be the thing that absolutely holds them down, and you know gives the Chargers you know some hope in this one. I think.
1: Yeah, and now you're going up against a team that does have some you know real. Weapons in the passing game, and some of those matchups do not look like they're going to go pretty for the Texans' coverage unit that hasn't been the best in the world. And pass block and grade, where are the Chargers right now? Like, they're, they're on the bottom.
0: Where are they? They just lost it. Bottom half?
1: <laughs> like, can you imagine any they're of those Houston defensive banks trying to match Keenan Allen, just generally, in right running? No. It's going so- to go badly.
0: So even without Hunter Henry out there, the Chargers do have some weapons to throw to. The pass blocking grade is right there with the Texans. Similar. So mm. mid-tier. So either those old lines are going to get worse as, as expected or they're starting to play a little bit above expectation. Um, what else are you looking for in this one?
1: I think that's a big part of it. I want to see how they match up on the back end with those Chargers receiving weapons. Can they actually slow them down? Are they just going to get completely mauled by Keenan Allen, his route right running... What the rest of those Chargers receivers can do, or can they have any hope of slowing down that Chargers offense? What about Texans defensive front? JJ
0: Watt. They had Charles Amenahue. Was, he was our highest graded rookie last week in his debut for the Texans. He moves up and down the line of scrimmage. So there's a lot.
1: DJ Reader's been play. playing.
0: Reader's really well. been playing well. Whitney Mercil is still there. So I think that I think the Chargers O line, even though they've played a little bit better than expected going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, they're still going to have the hands full. Um, the Chargers, by the way, you talk about all the pressures for Kansas City coming from Chris Jones. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa have combined for 13 of the Chargers' 19 pressures. 13 out of 19. That's yeah. about 68.2% off the top of my head, Sam. <laughs> you still shouldn't be able to do that. Just a guess. Um, so the interior guys, Justin Jones has two. Brandon Meebane has one. Our guy Jerry Tillery has zero.
1: Yeah, really hasn't. I mean, he's something of a story at this point, in that he really has not hit the ground running yet, not at all. Like you know, we were pretty high on him, expected him to have have that kind of interior pressure that this team hasn't really had for a while, and so far, definitely has not been bringing it.
0: All right, so where what are you looking for? Where you look? Where are you going with your pick in this one? Is what I'm trying to say.
1: I'm going with the Chargers. I took Houston. Hmm. You sure
0: you? T- yeah, you did. I did. Why did Bruce's picks are screwing up the spreadsheet? Yeah.
1: Why did he type team names in? Well, not Bruce, just that. Can you watch it. We got to teach you how to he use the right abbreviations. If you look, he didn't. He didn't do anything consistently. <laughs> so
0: he used "any" for New England and then typed out Raiders and yeah, nothing capitalized. Right. Typed in Chargers, all caps.
1: Uh huh. Yep. Can
0: we get somebody to interpret things for
1: him? So he's done both, he's done both abbreviation and team name and in, and in both instances has done both all lowercase and all uppercase. It's ruining my spreadsheet. It's actually quite, quite an amazing <laughs> journey through his picks, just Bruce. scanning down how he typed those in. Bruce, we're going to work on that. All uh, right. The other big game. You don't have to use a lot of Google documents in the NFL. No. He's new to this. Oh, no, you don't. But you
0: have to learn a foreign language in every place you go, and they just pick that up like it's nothing.
1: Right. I mean, a lot of it's the same foreign language. But sure. Whatever. I'm just saying, there's, there's th- you know, you're never going to know these things until you're exposed to them. And, and Bruce has only recently been exposed to Google Documents, so it, he's, it's a learning Gro- curve. Growth mentality. Right. We're going to get better. We need to take him to grad school. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's his school. Right.
0: That's what he does. All right. Uh, next game, New Orleans Saints at the Seattle Seahawks. The other uh, somewhat big game that we can dive into a little bit deeper Saints, of course, going with Teddy Bridgewater. Drew well, Breeze banged up. Are I mean, they?
1: Are you buying this cramp that they're paddling about using two quarterbacks? No, I'm saying they're <laughs> gonna go Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean they're gonna right, But they're saying they're gonna use two quarterbacks. They're saying there's no starter, we're gonna use them both. That's yeah, just coach speak for I'm not telling you who to prepare for, right?
0: Yeah, but I think so I was expecting some level of that, but I don't think it's going to be like Steve Spurrier back in the day. Legitimately switched quarterbacks every play right. at one point. I think yeah, it was Jesse make, Palmer sense. and uh, Doug Johnson. Right. It was like, hey, you go. Ahead.
1: How mad would you be if it's like Jesse you Palmer was old enough to have been teammates with Doug Johnson? Yeah. Wow. So it was Danny Werfel. I have those two like in my brain separated in eras for some reason. Really? I don't have them like concurrent. I don't think I'm screwing this up. I mean, you're probably was. not. I'm just. That's so. It was
0: Danny Werfel.
1: Awesome right star
0: he he goes to the n f l doesn't do great, mm. and then it was Doug Johnson and Jesse Palmer, and the Spurrier couldn't sort those guys out for like two years, so there was a point where they were legit
1: switching off plays yeah so yeah I don't, think I, don't that's a great I don't expect that no to happen, but i mean we've seen preseasons and stuff or even like colleges where you get you know you get a drive, he gets a drive, you get a quarter, he gets a quarter I don't think it's going to look like that. I think it's going to be somewhat play to play like you know here's a few plays for
0: Teddy and oh we're mixing it up here's Taysom Hill for a little bit for like a sequence yeah I expect some of that you know you get like a two or three play mix right Teddy goes out and plays some wide receiver because you got to get that four-yard wildcat play in
1: to me it's it's just going to look like the regular Saints offense right he's Bridgewater is going to be Drew Brees only without being Drew Brees Um, and then Taysom Hill is going to get the Taysom Hill package every now and again I don't, this idea of we're going to use two quarters, like that's just what you tell them so that they don't prepare for one of them. Yeah. As
0: like, I always say, though, if the defense has to prepare, you also have to prepare for what you're going to actually do. Right.
1: But they've already been doing that, right? Like, I guess. The only, thing, the only thing you would be doing different, I mean, if you're starting Taysom Hill, you're already preparing as if he's a starter. And if you're not, he's been doing what he's been doing anyway. So you don't have to prepare any differently for that. So here's the thing Seattle,
0: number 25 coverage grade in yeah. the NFL. That was as expected, right? Their big question was going to be in the secondary. The Saints just played the Rams who have the number 2 coverage grade in the NFL. Of course, we're two games in, so the Saints are part of the reason why the Rams have that. But if there was a game where Teddy Bridgewater could maybe get back, show some of the potential that we expected from him, even though it's in Seattle, this should be the game. You get a week to, you're the guy, you're the starter, sort maybe. Of.
1: No? Well, so, uh, yes, because the opposition isn't great, right? Like, the talent-wise, you should be able to go after those defensive backs because they're not that good. The problem is, I think that scheme actually encourages the short underneath stuff, right? Yeah. The problem with Teddy, as we said on Monday at the moment, is that he has become a bad version of Alex Smith. He's become a parody Alex Smith account. And what you get right now is Teddy just taking everything underneath, not going deep ever. Um, And then anytime he's not doing it as efficiently as Alex Smith used to. So anytime he misses a throw, now he's behind the chains and he's not capable of digging himself out because he's not taking anything deep. So that this defense encourages that style of play. It's like it's, it's designed from the ground up was we keep everything in front of us and we deal with the thousand paper cuts and, You know, we just don't – we don't allow the big plays to happen. Um, So that's kind of why it was set up, and that's why teams like the Patriots are always really good against these cover three-type defenses because they're perfectly happy to take the 1,000-paper-cut approach. Um, But it's basically – it's playing into what Teddy's already doing at the moment, which is currently an issue, which is – You do have to fire one up the seam every now and again. Right, and if he's not going to do that, it's not going to work. So this is – they need to have spent all week basically saying – you're doing great, Teddy. Everything's going fine. Because I suspect, you know, I suspect this needs to be a confidence thing. You, you know, you can't confidence. just say, Teddy, you suck. Go deep. You've got to yeah. be like, Teddy, look, you're doing great. This underneath stuff, it's working well. You're finding the right guy. Accuracy's been a little bit spotty, but don't worry. It'll come back. It's a, it's a rust thing. You're going to shake it off. Next week, though, what I want you to think about is when there's a guy running up the seam. Throw it to him. Throw it to him. Throw deep. Hit him. Just, you know, take a couple of shots, Teddy. Loosen the old cannon up a bit, you know? Rediscover what it's like to go deep a bit. You'll find you like it. So I suspect the whole week is going to have been them trying to convince him of that, you know? Butter him up. You're good with Get your, him thinking it's good. And then send him out there with the confidence to strike deep against this team. If that happens, Teddy's okay. If it doesn't, they're screwed and they need to go to Taysom Hill next week. Good pep talk. Thanks. I think that sums it up. That's the Saints offense
0: right there. <laughs> So I got some numbers for you for the Seahawks offense, right? So okay. if, if I told you that Russell Wilson was pressured 20, uh, 23rd highest rate in the NFL,
1: uh-huh.
0: 23 out of what, what I say, 36 qualifiers, 30.8%, 30.
1: what would you think? Well, when you tie that to the fastest time to release in the NFL, it's not that great. Well, I already told that to you before. Yeah. So he's, got the fa- you know, so he's got the
0: fastest time to throw. The Seattle pass blocking grade is last. Right. So this is, again, the story that we're trying to tell here. The pass blocking grade or pressure rate is very much on the quarterback <laughs> and the scheme and what you're doing. So the fact that Russell Wilson's getting the ball out of his hands has protected Seattle's O-line, which has played worse. So forget those
1: improvements for a minute. They've played far worse than they did the last few years. Which, by the way, is not in the least bit surprising when you look at the unit they've assembled. Like Oh, it's a bunch of road grading maulers. Right. You remember late in like late nineties, early two thousands, they used to love nothing more than showing you the average weight of the offensive line. Yeah,
0: here's a bunch of dudes that are like three thirty. Right.
1: Yeah. Back when teams were like just trying to get as large as humanly possible. Yep. Like here's the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. It's like averaging three forty-five with David Dixon and stuff. Like this seems this this offensive line is built for that graphic. What is the average weight of this line right now? Mike Patty. D.J. Fluker. Like this, this must be right up there with the 330s in terms of average weight. This line is built for the late 90s, early 2000s, and that's not what the NFL is right now. So, consequently, they may be able to grind your face off in the run game. Fetty, yes, Fluker. In as soon as you drop back to pass, there's going to be
0: some problems. D.K. Metcalf helps that, too, if you just line him up in line. <laughs> He's up there. No, so, the, so Russell Wilson, 23rd highest rate of pressure. But when he's been pressured, he's been sacked 40% of the time. So wow. he's still been sacked eight times on 20 That's a lot. pressure dropbacks. That is by far the highest in the league. By comparison, you've got um, Marcus Mariota's up at 33%. That's second highest. So I just found that really, really interesting. That Russell Wilson in Seattle... And there was a point in his career, I think a couple of years ago, they, had, you know, they were getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. But through two games... It's been a different style for Seattle. Now, much like Deshaun Watson, we're using this example, not critically of, of Russell Wilson, but he does, you know, he can do a better job of avoiding sacks. But throwing the football and everything, he's been great. Number six or number five passing grade in the NFL, 86.9, or overall grade among quarterbacks so far. So he's throwing the ball well, completed a ridiculous, ridiculously high percentage of passes last week against Pittsburgh, completing 78% on the season, and I want to see a little DK Metcalf and Marshawn Lattimore
1: matchup. So Dwayne Brown is letting the side down. Dwayne Brown's only 315. You were doing math over
0: there trying to figure out? Yeah,
1: and that is dramatic. Well, no, I was looking up the numbers. I'm not nearly capable of doing that math on the fly in in my brain. Um, At 315, he's pulling the side down, though, because we've got DJ Fluker up over 340, Mikey Patti over 330, um, who else was in there? Jermaine Effetti's up at like 325. Ethan Pochich is down at like 320, so that's not great. But Dwayne Brown's a problem. Justin could,
0: Britt's a little tiny, too. Right. If
1: we could get Dwayne Brown out of there for some other gargantuan, immobile behemoth at left tackle, then we'd be, then we'd be cooking. Let's see if they can trade for Andre Smith. Get yeah. him over there. I imagine they would be Can we get able McKinney
0: to, out of McKinney. retirement? Let's get him in there. Yes. Um, so, anyway, I'm, I'm going to tweet those uh, Russell Wilson stats out I do find them interesting pressure rate yeah being low sack rate being really really high still in the Seattle pass blocking still being poor so quick passing game against the Saints secondary probably want to avoid Marshawn Lattimore um, even though I want to see Metcalf versus Lattimore um, but that should be uh, should be a good matchup there who'd we pick in this one uh Seattle oh. I took Seattle Were we unanimous? No, everybody took Seattle except Bruce
1: took the Seahawks. Yeah, or the E Hawk, if you uh, look at just the cell size. Took the E Hawks. Mm -hmm. No, no, not not Hawks. E Hawk. Oh, the E Hawk. Took the E Hawk. Good job, Bruce.
0: (laughs) I hope he's watching.
1: All right, let's go. Now we'll go rapid fire. Are you not concerned that he's just going to come in here and kick your ass? No. No? Okay.
0: All right. He respects me.
1: Yeah? I trained him.
0: I trained him in the PFF ways all offseason. Huh. i'm right. his
1: mentor yeah
0: bff mentor
1: i'm just saying i'm not you know your knees are kind of shot i don't know if you can outrun him oh no i definitely can't right so he's, if he decides he's gonna you know he's gritty too right if he decides he's gonna come in here and just beat up My on you you're done I, I really can't stand up without like grunting
0: noises and like propping myself up and everything right now you're
1: like those old dogs you know those old big dogs eventually they reach a point where their legs just can't support them anymore and you have to like, you know, you that should be happening to me at like sixty years old, not at thirty-seven. Is this just Am I falling
0: apart? Yeah. Now. I mean, it, the evidence is mounting. This is not good. Right. Joints just can't handle basketball anymore. But I'm going to still do it because I'm losing weight.
1: <laughs> That's the
0: thing. <laughs> I'm losing weight,
1: feeling pretty good. I need. Well, you need to keep coming so that I can learn the rules. Yeah, because well, you're plus like my game's coming along. I
0: I hit a legit. Hook shot yesterday. <laughs> Not a jump hook. Like Magic Johnson through the lane, full-on sky hook. Right. I don't think I've hit one of those in my life, like but Kareem. I kind of did it. Kareem style, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. it's amazing. Magic. Olo? George Zedek. UCLA. Yeah. Fame. Man. Yeah. Yeah, i got to teach you the rules, though. You, you follow so That's what I'm saying. I need
1: you. Time. Look, I'm, you're coming along, though. I've come from a game where contact is encouraged. That's all I'm saying. So let's, let's compare your
0: basketball game to an NFL player. Okay. So who's, like, the most incompetent NFL
1: player who at one point... <laughs> nobody at my level has ever reached the NFL. Like, nobody that bad. Just
0: comparatively. It just, you know, like, you mustered a little bit of confidence and, like, strung together. Some it would like be like Willie players.
1: Beavers or Hackenberg, right? Except it was an actual growth curve attached to Oh, yeah, to you're me. Hackenberg. There we go. I Hackenberg started occurs. off at Hackenberg, right? No, you're still Hackenberg, but it's like, Hackenberg, even he can complete a few passes here and there. No, because I've actually, there's been development. Hackenberg never developed anywhere. So I have to, you have, I would you have say to go somewhere from there. If Hackenberg completed a couple passes, they could be misconstrued
0: as development, but he's still Hackenberg.
1: No, because the implication there is that I haven't developed at all, and we've just hit like a lo- lucky run of games. I, I think that, that would seem unfair. I think there's been market okay. development. It's just it's still terrible. All right. It's well, just that the, the starting point was so Hackenbergian that you know we had a long way to go up before we sure. got to viable. Yeah, you've, you've played feisty defense. Mm. You've uh, hit a few...
0: Hit a few shots here and there.
1: The occasional one, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Rapid fire through the rest of the games. Week three, Oakland Raiders at the Minnesota Vikings. What are you looking for here?
1: This is going to be the classic Kirk Cousins bounce back game, right? Because gone is the important game. Up comes the kind of pointless one that you're expected to win anyway. And going up against the defense, it is great. This is the one.
0: right? By the end of the week, Kirk Cousins will be back in like the top 10 in passer rating in Mm -hmm. the NFL. Right. So he's going
1: to go for like 330 yards. Four touchdowns, no picks. Oh, yeah, like definitely. Like 75% completion rate. They're yeah. at
0: home, yeah. Right. He's this just is...
1: going gonna to like put up a ridiculous statistical game, drop a few dimes in there. There'll be no terrible decision. Or if there is, it's sort of swept under the carpet because, you know, somebody else recovers it. Say he'll, like, randomly fumble the ball for no particular reason, trying to do something ridiculous, But like, Dalvin Cook will fall on it so nobody will remember it by the end of the game. Dalvin. Um, this is the classic Kirk Cousins bounce back game. These are the games he shows up for while spending all week talking about how disappointed he is in himself for not having shown up for the actual one that mattered. That's, no, what's, that happening. Too. Yeah, that's what's happening here.
0: You're right on, man. I can't wait to replay that after it happens. <laughs> it's going to be great.
1: <laughs> what do um, you want to see?
0: I want to see Dalvin. Okay. And I'm going to go back to what I tweeted earlier this week um, because a couple weeks ago I tweeted, hey, I think Delvin's better. I said better than you did Zeke or Gurley. And like I said, at the time, half my timeline thought I was nuts. (laughs) And the other (laughs) half was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Stay healthy. I said healthy, Dalvin. Yes. Healthy Dalvin. So now we've got two whole weeks of evidence, and it's mounting. Yeah. So here's the evidence after two weeks. Yards after contact, uh, contact, Dalvin Cook, 185 yards after contact to lead the NFL. Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott have combined for 204. So they only have 19 more yards after contact than Dalvin alone. Combined. Combined. Miss tackles forced. Dalvin has eight. Todd Gurley and Zeke have eight. Combined or each? Combined. Okay. Receiving yards. Dalvin has 46. Todd Gurley and Zeke have combined for 27. And then touchdowns. Dalvin has three. And Todd Gurley and Zeke have combined for three. So therefore, Dalvin Cook
1: is better than Todd Gurley or Zeke because I have two weeks of evidence to prove it. Well, two weeks of evidence, how can you argue with that? How can you argue? Um, here's what I find fascinating. The 2017 NFL draft was an interesting one for running backs. And you had Christian McCaffrey, who looks like a phenomenal pass-catching running back, has literally not come off, come off the field yet this year. He's played 100% of the snaps. Yeah. The people that have played 100% of the snaps for Carolina are the five offensive linemen, Cam, who's about to miss this game with a yep. wrecked foot, And Christian McCaffrey. Running backs are not supposed to play 100% of the snaps. Not at all. That's crazy. And yet, he does. You've got Dalvin Cook, who's finally healthy and looking like an absolute star in that type of offense. And yet, the guy that went number four overall was Leonard Fournette, who looks awful. And is... Who looks not just awful, but completely irrelevant in a 2019 offense, right? This league has become more and more about getting these guys the ball in space and letting them take advantage of being a mismatch problem for the defender that's trying to tackle him. Leonard Fournette only functions running in a straight line um, where he can get him behind that Seattle O line. Where he can overpower a defender. And even then he won't break the tackle. He'll just run into the guy and fall three yards over the top of him. It's like it's amazing to me that knowing what we know about how NFL offenses currently function that with that three, they went Fournette, McCaffrey, Dalvin as an order. As yeah, opposed I think to... we had
0: Dalvin, McCaffrey, and Fournette was.
1: Yeah, I think after that.
0: Kareem Hunt was in there.
1: Yeah, I'm right. I would have flipped McCaffrey and Dalvin, but either way, I think you would have those two way ahead of Fournette. Just, he is not built for a 2019 NFL offense. Those two are both built spectacularly for it and for slightly different offenses. Like Dalvin, I think, is actually found himself in the perfect spot now. Albeit the offensive line isn't actually that good, the system they're running and the blocking scheme really tailors to what he does well. Like, he's exceptional at finding those creases, running at pace, um, you know, on those stretch plays. and actually rescuing what isn't tremendous blocking by being able to get thin, hit the right hole, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love Dalvin. Yeah, he's good.
0: We're all taking the Vikings, except Bruce is taking the lowercase Raiders. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Detroit Lions. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but injury reports are, to me, just not as easy to understand these days. I mean, yeah. I understand them, but to like put context to them. The old, probable, questionable, yeah, um, doubtful, was a lot easier to manage. Now you got a lot of do, did not participate, limited participation. The point is, the Eagles have a lot of guys either not participating or participating only a little bit. They even canceled – would they cancel practice or something the other day?
1: Well, yeah, like they all got hurt on against the Falcons. Well, no, they – all, all yeah. of them.
0: But they've been having to adjust their practices. And, and So, just from Wednesday, Corey Clement, Dallas Goddard, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Timothy Jer- uh, Timmy Jernigan, and uh, Jordan Mailata did not participate. And then limited participation was Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Jonathan Cyprian, Rudy Ford, Nathan Gary, and um, – That's all that really matters. (laughs) So it's a lot of big names on there. Yeah. Banged up. Mm -hmm. All that said, I mean, we were raving about the Eagles and this roster that they built this offseason. If anybody has the depth to handle it, the depth on the D-line, maybe, I mean, they should have the depth at the receiving core unless legitimately all of them are hurt. Right. That's an issue. Um, But they should be able to handle it better than most teams.
1: Yeah, I think they are. I mean, they're definitely hurting. There's a lot of quality players that are currently... A significant doubt for this game, so that's got to have some kind of impact. But we are talking about what we believed to be the best roster in football heading into the league. Even taking some significant pieces out of that off or out of that roster, should still leave them with a lot of things uh, working in their favor. So, look honestly, even with missing all of that, they should be a viable match for the Detroit Lions. So, Carson Wentz was a
0: tale of two Carsons the other night, much like Stafford has been the tale of two Staffords. When he's been playing, he was go- Stafford was, you know, incredible, go-ahead, touchdown, turnover-worthy plays are up through the roof, uh, or have been up there for him. Carson Wentz, same thing. He was uh, horrible in the first half, and he- his grade, you saw his grade slowly get better yeah. as, the, uh, as the game went on. So, we want to see a clean game from both quarterbacks. I think we're all still going Eagles, though. Uh, we're all going Philly Yeah, we're versus right, go going... Ahead. Eagles. <laughs> Lowercase eagles for Bruce. Uh,
1: what
0: are you looking for in the New York Jets-New England Patriots game?
1: Uh, I'm curious to see... So, you're now going to be going up against Luke Falk. Do you dial back the amount of man coverage you run? Because... No. No? No. Because that ball's going to... Like, every time he attempts a pass, it's either going to be like a quick slant... You're tempted to just sit in zone? Yes. I intend to feet. sit in zone and say, when you attempt throw this further than six yards it's going to be in the air for about seven and a half minutes and we're going to get under there and pick it off
0: see i would i would almost view it the other way. so in general to your point zone coverage leads to more interceptions turnovers uh man coverage leads to more pass breakups and just a lower completion percentage in general so new england's been playing a ton of man coverage and their completion percentage against has been among the league's best the last few years i could see him just sticking with that and saying good luck zipping the ball into the, the tight because we play tight man coverage you have yeah. to put the ball into a tight window and we're just going to break it up I mean New England did a great job in that Steelers game I mentioned it the first week passes were like getting to receivers hands and they're breaking them up they're doing a fantastic job of playing through the ball breaking passes up I think I think that's what we're going to see a lot of with the Jets offense yeah all that said Falk played pretty well you played okay all things considered yeah after he got sacked a million times he yeah. settled down sure but there was a point where they had negative 22 passing yards yeah because sacks count as negative passing
1: yards. I'm just, I'm having seen a reasonable amount of him in college. I'm not tremendously confident in his ability to have a big game against the New England Patriots. That's all I'm saying. Um, I don't, I don't, where was Greg Williams the last time he faced
0: Tom Brady? Poor research on my part. I should have thought about that. But not when he was in Cleveland. Um, I can look this up in a minute. Was he with the Rams a couple years ago when they Awesome. When they would have played him.
1: How? But I, I want to was, see that matchup. I was interested in that game. When I, I'm always fascinated by the idea of when, like, the emergency quarterback, right? Every time you get a one injury and the starter goes down, the second guy comes in and he's looking like he's taking a beating. I'm like, who's, who's the emergency guy? Because I always want to see the tight end that hasn't played since high school running an offense at the NFL level. Or for the Jets, it would have been Le'Veon Bell. Like he would have been they would have literally run that direct snap wildcat offense all the time with Le'Veon Bell had Luke Falk got hurt. Am I the only one that kind of wants to see that? Yeah, I think probably. against the Patriots, there is a half decent chance that Le'Veon Bell running whatever version of the Wildcat direct snap single wing offense would function better than Luke Falk a quarterback. That's all I'm saying. And I for one want to see that. In no. fact, I'll tell you what the perfect scenario is. I don't want to see any of this. Luke Falk plays for a half, right? Gets, gets hurt just before halftime. Nothing serious. We don't want to wish injury on people. Just no. enough to keep him out for the second half, right? You know, bad bruise. It's, it's hamper him. Can't, can't hobble around. It's going to be fine by next week. But for this half, we're going to have to turn to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell now spends the second half running the Wildcat single wing direct snap running back offense against the Patriots. I want to see which one worked work better. So that... So that should have
0: happened last year on Monday Night Football when the Bills trotted Derek Anderson out there. And they came out. Remember their first, like, four plays right. were, like, really creative and wildcatty and all that stuff. Yeah. And then they were just like... Just
1: run that. You yeah. don't even need the quarterback. Put him on the sideline. Run that all game. It's worth a shot. I mean,
0: Duke, Duke came out against Alabama just running the triple option out of nowhere.
1: Seriously. Like, he was, hey,
0: just do something crazy. Right. Play a crazy underdog strategy. The spread's over 20.
1: Yes. Do this something... is the thing, right? The reason those... The reason those triple option offenses exist in the first place is because we're never going to be able to compete with those teams from a recruiting standpoint. We have crappy athletes compared to them. Therefore, we're going to run something weird that they don't understand how to defend properly and confuse the crap out of them. If you're the Jets, you are going to lose this game. There is literally zero chance in the world that Luke Falk outplays Tom Brady and the Patriots for an entire game. So why not show them something that they are, have no idea how to defend over any extended period of time. Well, CBS Sports connected the dots here. Luke Falk
0: picked number 199 in the draft. Oh, just like Tom Brady. People were saying that when he got drafted. But he's also making his first start in week three Don't. against a legend. Don't do it. Just like Tom Brady did against Peyton Manning Don't back in week three,
1: 2001. In week three, 2001? There may Peyton have been A legend? He was not. He was in his no. third year in the NFL. Right. Fourth year. And the first couple had been like interception. Yeah. You know, And the Patriots won by, like, 30. Right. So, yeah. so maybe that'll happen. Hmm.
0: So last time Tom Brady went up against a Greg Williams defense was, two, was 2016 okay. in the Rams. He was playing and quite well that year. He was playing really well that year. And Greg Williams held him, or the defense held him, to his second lowest yards per attempt. He was 33 for 46 for 269. That was only 5.8 yards per attempt. And, you know, one of his sixth lowest passing grade. But I'm, I'm interested in the whole Greg Williams has a safety plan in, in Boston while they're, the rest of the team's in Foxborough. Yeah. And I uh, want to see how that short pass game looks against that.
1: It's kind of fascinating because he takes all manner of crap for that, right? But it's not, it's not without logic. Like it's, it's there to prevent a specific thing happening, and it does that pretty well. Like an 87-yard touchdown
0: no. to Odell Beckham?
1: No. Well, it's there to prevent the 87-yard touchdown, but the one that travels 50 yards in the air. Right, not the one that exploits the hole The underneath. one that travels 50 yards in the air, which happens? Not very often, right? But it, it, it is there to prevent that deep pass. It's there to cheat uh, range to the sideline for the single high free safety that isn't Earl Thomas, right? You don't need to do that with Earl Thomas because he has that kind of range. For everybody else, you kind of do. Otherwise, they're really not able to get to the sideline and influence those plays most of the time. So it's there to take away that specific type of play which is a pretty dangerous play like if you're a bad if you have bad corners and you're susceptible to that play you've got some pretty significant problems so that's what it's there to take away the problem is doing that opens up a pretty large hole directly underneath that and that causes its own problems because now you're opening up a an area of the field that teams typically have the most success targeting and B feel the most danger from targeting because there's a lot of cluttered bodies in there now you're opening up that space making it even easier for them to attack that so it's like it's it's give and take right in order to take this away i have to give you something else and the thing i'm giving you looks pretty bad when it's continually exploited yeah
0: it's either one of those games where he can keep new england's passing offense off balance enough to like kind of keep it close ish yeah or he's going to go like all out blitz and there's dudes wide open all over the place or Middle of the field, I and mean, they get destroyed. The Odell so, play looked even we're all worse taking New England.
1: because. Well, the safety was bad. Well, the safety was terrible, but also they basically didn't put a third body over the formation. Yeah. So, not only is there a hole in the middle of the field, there's an even bigger hole because you haven't stuck another body out there. The safety was the extra body, the one lined up in the next county. So, Plus, he then ran to like, the <laughs> other side of the field when like, yeah. that was bad. I'm not entirely sure what that was about. But. So, we're all taking
0: New England except for Neil. He's taking Neil.
1: Neil's taking Neil.
0: Yeah, I think the Google Doc spelled his name <laughs> as he typed in N E. Because above this, him is his name Neil. This is not making it sound great as a no. company. This is how we do our picks. None of us one able. In a, a Google none, Doc. This is <laughs> capable of free advertising. Google. Google. You're welcome. Document. Google Doc. Now rapid fire ish. More. Okay. Do it more. Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. We're not rapid fire? I mean, we just. We're just given what we're looking for in each game. Okay. Bengals at Bills. Can the Bills go 3-0? They're one week away from a 3-0 versus 3-0 AFC matchup against the New England Patriots. Battle of the Titans. Is this a trap game for the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> <laughs> are the Bengals a trap game for the Bills right now?
1: God. Are they, I mean, I'm curious to see if the Bengals can actually get after Josh Allen and the Bills. Right? Because the Bengals are playing pretty terribly right now. Their offense kind of stinks. The back end of the defense kind of stinks. Basically, the only thing holding up its end of the bargain is Geno Atkins. Yeah, basically, Geno a... Atkins on his own, right? There's a couple of people playing okay up front, but it's basically Gino, right? The only thing they're doing even vaguely well is rushing the passer. And, the, like, the Bills' offensive line is still not the best in the world. It's actually been playing better than we thought it would. But that, that's, like, the only shot they have to do anything in this game is if they can really make a mess out of this Bills offensive line and get after Josh Allen to the point where he can't function.
0: I just think I think Josh Allen's at that point in his career where you you can't take a good game and say like, oh, he's starting to figure it out. There, he is still so inconsistent. And our guy Kev um, Kev tweeted the other day, Cole, uh-huh. like. Uh, Josh
1: Allen's been inconsistent, and man, Bills fans were Italian. Where's the inconsistency? What are you talking? about? He turned the ball over four times in Week One. Bills fans are right up there with Bears fans in terms of you you can't rationalize with them about their quarterback.
0: Yeah. So the thing about Allen is he, I think he's going to have games where he goes like ten for thirty two, completing passes. He'll have other games where he looks pretty good and he you know finds a way to score touchdowns. But like Week One was kind of like the epitome of it's really really ugly but he can make a couple throws and make some plays down the stretch and you know score a touchdown with his legs and all that stuff and yeah. grid his way through one
1: the problem with those quarterbacks is at least in terms of trying to rationally speak with their fans is they are they make those big plays and those we talk ages you know we've talked constantly about this before the reason for pff exists is to combat the mental highlight reel that you have in your head the way you actually right. consume games is There's, you know, there's 50 plays in this game. I can't put all 50 into my brain, so I'll remember the five most important. And with Josh Allen, that's likely to be, you know, one bad play, three good plays, one where something crazy happened. And ultimately, if they win the game at the end of that, you're like, well, done. He played well. (laughs) Well, what happens if the other 40 plays, he was, you know, mildly bad? What happens if there were like a ton of easy misses in that, and he made giant work out of what should have been a routine victory because he was you know, a below average at best. Like, well, it doesn't matter. He made the big play he won. That's all I'm looking for here. does like, Fine, but the point is that breakdown of um, play over the course of a game typically will predict that things do not go that way in future. So the problem with, you know, pointing to these things and saying, well, he got the job done is saying, well, look, that's not sustainable. If you play like this, if your profile looks like this every single game for the next five years you will not win very many games because it doesn't. You actually need him to get better at the stuff that didn't cost him in this game, but probably will down the line. And that's the Josh Allen thing, right? It's, yes, he's capable of making these spectacular plays, but you're going to need him to get better at the routine stuff if he's going to consistently be the guy that leads you to victories. On the impressive side for Josh Allen, adjusted completion percentage is up at 79%,
0: much higher than we expected. Now that... The sacrifice is... Potentially unsustainable. That might be tough to keep up. But, I mean, if it's, if it's a shorter passing game, and that's a big part of why it is, you're cutting back on the big-time throws. He's only got two big-time throws, has t- uh, three turnover-worthy plays. So um, it's kind of the, the trade off there. Um, as always, the Bills' coverage unit is what I like to take a look at. They're a top-ten unit for the third straight year, number seven right now. And I think that's what just keeps them in every game. And I think they're going to be 3-0, and going up against 3-0 and New England a battle for first place in the AFC East coming in week four. That's yeah, my
1: we all do. prediction.
0: Everyone, we're all taking Buffalo.
1: Everyone pick Bills, everyone pick Patriots. So we're the, all expecting that. The New England Patriots.
0: Miami Dolphins at Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. <sighs> I like how much do the Cowboys kill them? The Dolphins can't be as bad as they've showed. Can't they? So they they went up against a Ravens offense, which could be way better than we expected. Since
1: last week, and they went up against the Patriots, where they were horrendous. They've traded away one of their best players, best run defenders. Yep. One I'm of their, well. I mean, I'm not saying he was great. I'm saying he's one of their best players. Yeah, I'm saying since the team that got absolutely annihilated, they have traded away one of their better players. Going up against the Cowboys team that is. Like, as we said, looking like a Super Bowl contender, rolling. At what level of football do they have, like, the running clock when it's just, you know, completely unbalanced? I think they've done it in FBS games. Right. FBS versus FCS. Mm. I think. In recent years. How early in this game do they need to start the running clock for Miami just to get them out of there? 11 minutes left in the fourth. 11 minutes in the fourth? Yeah, it'll be closer
0: than anything. They're not going to. It's not going to be, like, 41 to 3 or anything like that.
1: Isn't it? No. Why not? Just won't be. This Miami team is terrible. It's going to Dallas. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The Dallas Cowboys are forgot really that, good. Forgot that Miami getting crushed was at home twice. Right. At home. They're in going September on the words. road against the yeah. seemingly invincible right now Dallas Cowboys, led by Calvin Moore. You wow. heard me. <laughs> wow. You you think this game is going to be in any way close? I want to hear
0: your Dak negotiations. Look, Dak. You're like the 18th best quarterback in the
1: NFL. Kellen Moore's making you look like a star. Here's 20 million. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a part of the negotiation, right? Where were you before Kellen turned up? Yeah. yeah. Number were 19 right. in PFF grades. That's right. where you were. You were okay. I can get okay. Okay is, not, okay is pretty easy to come Colin by Moore these days. make anybody a star. Give I might him put him on the field. How do you like that, Dak? Well, we already discussed that. That's what I'm saying. You can do all of it. All right. I got 12 years out of Kellen. I can get two for one. I can save money. By the way, Dallas released Taco Charlton. Yeah. This week. To make room for Robert Quinn. Yeah. Getting reactivated after his suspension, right? Yep. So uh, Dallas's defense has been uh, pretty good so far. Yeah. I don't think there's any way this isn't anything other than a giant beatdown. Giant well, yeah. beatdown. All right. So That's it's not a beatdown. All, it's a beatdown. We're all taking
0: the Cowboys. And um, we'll do some more work on Dak next week if he has another good game. Yeah. A little more detailed
1: breakdown. I might write something up on the on the website and how they're doing it the other thing about this is it's to an extent it's kind of irrelevant whether it's Dak or kellen moore like if he's able to do that within kellen moore's offense then that's oh, good
0: oh, so right? that but that's that's my whole concept of like a mid-tier quarterback is if you do the other stuff well around them you can get top 10 production out of him and if you get that you're happy yeah. If you get your top 10 production, if you know you've got the stuff around him to do that, then you're happy. You would have to be It's very... easier to get top 10 production out of other guys.
1: Yeah, the problem is you would have to be very sure that you can elevate anybody to the same level. To say, you know what, okay, Dak, even though you just had this great season, we're going to go in another direction because you're asking for too much money. Like you would be pretty sure that you can elevate somebody, but how high can you elevate them? Like they may be the same kind of level quarterback, but maybe Dak is particularly good at maximizing all the things that Kellen Moore oh, yeah, he does meant, yeah. to that offense. If he ends up, if he finishes the season, you know, playing at that kind of top five level, it's difficult to turn that down. Just because you know a huge part of it was the offensive coordinator, because you don't know how much that how much that will boost the next guy. Maybe right. it'll only boost the next guy like top fifteen or top twelve or top ten. You're leaving a lot on the table. Not knowing how much you can get out of the next guy, so either way, they may end up just backed into a corner and needing to pay Dak a truck. Oh, they're going to. They're
0: going to. I think it's just it's set in stone now. He's oh, okay. he's, he's getting the. He's getting all the money. I didn't get the money. He's getting all of the money. We're all taking Dallas, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Denver Broncos at the Green Bay Packers. Sam, what are you looking for?
1: Uh, Chris Harris versus Devontae Adams. Nice matchup. Chris Harris is has, is no longer a slot corner. Like no. people used to. Ironically, because people used to basically rag on the guy for only being a slot corner. It's like, I oh, can't be one of the best in the game. He's a slot corner. Oh, yeah. So much easier. And then at the time, he played both, right? He would play outside, and then when they went to sub packages, he would kick inside, and he would be the slot guy. Um, now, he's not even playing the slot because they brought in somebody to play that role. So Chris Harris is a 100% outside corner right now. And now he's going to be going up against Devontae Adams, who's you know an exceptional receiver. That's a fun one-on-one matchup.
0: Great matchup there. The thing I want to see up front, Denver's pass rush has been horrendous. Third worst pass rushing grade in the NFL. Remember how we said Chris Jones has 11 pressures? Yeah. Denver has 10. Ooh. 10. ten. How many has Von Miller got? Two. Two. Von Miller has two and Bradley Chubb has three. Ew. Right? That's crazy right now. So they need to figure it out. Now, you've got Aaron Rodgers back there. He'll hold the ball. You should be able to get to him. It'll be one of those games where they get four sacks and, like, six pressures. <laughs> you know? So the rush might not be great, but they should be able to sneak a couple sacks if Aaron Rodgers continues to uh, turn down open or easier throws and hold the ball a little bit too long. So that's what I want to see. Okay. In that matchup, who are you taking in this one? Uh, Green Bay. Also taking Green Bay. So Green Bay's offense going against the uh, Flacco pass. I mean Green, Green Bay defense against the Flacco. I think the story coming out of this is going to be like Green Bay's three and zero. They've allowed like twenty points this year. That's it a big story. be legit. Yeah. It's a big story. Or
1: will be. Atlanta Falcons at the Indianapolis Colts. I am kind of curious to see how this banged up Atlanta offensive line goes up against a reborn, resurgent Indianapolis Colts pass rush. Which has actually been really quite impressive so far this season. Um, you've got Justin Houston there, who is far from done. Apparently he's kind of back to his best. He's been rushing the passer really well. He's only got one sack, but he's got two hits, seven more total pressures. So he has the same amount of pressure as Denver, just Justin Houston. Yeah. Um, you've got Komoko Torai, who was the preseason star and has, hasn't played that much, but he's been getting a ton of pressure. And he has over. been on the yeah. field. Um, so he looks really good. They're actually able to get after the passer a reasonable amount. And this Falcons offensive line, A, got abused when they played a good defense and a pass rush in the Vikings. And then, B, when they went up against the Eagles, just got, like, beat up. Yeah.
0: They've, been, they've definitely been banged up. And we've got uh, – we have breaking news. Yeah. Right See, here. this is why you need the earpiece. This is – we have breaking news here on the PFF NFL podcast. Only on YouTube. It's only breaking right, on YouTube. If you're listening on Friday, you know about this. This is old news if you're listening on the podcast. Yeah. Breaking news now on YouTube. Uh-huh. Per rap sheet, Ian Rappaport has announced or has uh, reported, Josh Rosen will be starting Yeah, the Miami Dolphins. Quick, change
1: your pick. Quick. Okay. I'm still going to Dallas. Okay, I'm so we already talked blowout. about the
0: Miami Dolphins at the Dallas Cowboys. Give me uh, Give me one minute on Josh Rosen
1: uh how long do you think he lasts as a starter this season before they go back to fits because they're not going to go back to fits you don't think no you don't think even if he goes like if it's injury if they score single digit points for the next seven weeks you think they're still going to roll with rosen for the yeah. remainder i think they'll flip-flop back quarterbacks the rest of this year i think it'll be rosen um the, off, the offensive line certainly not going to do him any favors. I'm not even saying it will be his fault. I'm just saying you can't sit there and basically say, basically accept he, not being able to score every single week. He threw. He was not necessarily good in relief last
0: week in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, but he threw two dimes down the field that were both dropped.
1: Right. He's looked okay when he he's coming in. Make, he can make some pretty nice throws. He and, is in a terrible situation. and is a, Every single time he's come in, whether it's preseason or regular season so far, He's shown at least one or two throws to make you go okay. Yeah, like the that's thing, what he has in him, and then right. uh, the,
0: the story of his career is gonna be like, man, where's your consistency, Josh?
1: Right, but why I mean, are
0: you why are you taking yes. a 13 yard sack?
1: But he's in this situation where there's like there's you've got no shot of winning, no shot. You've got no shot of succeeding, let alone winning. Um,
0: of course, but let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do in this terrible I,
1: situation. It's definitely the right move because you, somebody has to see what they have in him. Honestly, <clears> there are teams out there with the amount of quarterbacks dropping like flies. There are some teams out there that should be seeing, given Miami's fire sale at the moment, what it would take to bring over Rosen. Like, what would they yep. take for him? Did you, what did they, they traded a third to get him, right? Second. You think they would... I think they would take the third back. Second. I think they might even take a fourth.
0: No. Yeah. They haven't really figured out what they have in him. The whole point was to give care. up a second.
1: They're going for a quarterback. This team is... It's, it's, the sales are amazing, Steve. The price is this low... You can't help but buy yourself a bargain. They're not going to spend a second to just
0: flip it for a third. Josh Rosen hasn't even played yet. Browse the roster. Make me an offer, Steve.
1: Yeah, and it's a good offer. Everything's open for debate. No offer is too low. Oh, gosh. I'm telling you. You could call up Miami and say, I will give you a fourth-round pick for Josh Josh Rosen. I I think they'd think about it. You're
0: no. Wrong. Uh, back to the Falcons and Colts I'm looking for Matt Ryan turnover machine so far uh-huh. leading the league in both real interceptions and turnover worthy really plays so far. So He's got five picks yeah. officially. And which is crazy, right? In two games. That's a lot of Matt picks. Ryan he mm-hmm. had seven last year. Yeah. And uh six turnover worthy really plays. So a lot of them have been they've been the real man. He's been just forcing them into coverage.
1: Okay. That uh the, the Falcons Eagles game was nuts with both those quarterbacks it just was. ranking random terrible throws. That was that was like what football looked like in the eighties. Like there's right. a game where we combined
0: for five picks it's and like, this like, is don't why
1: tonight. Right. This is why everyone wasn't passing 70% of the time back in yeah. the eighties because all the quarterbacks were idiots. And every now and again you'd throw some <laughs> absurd pass. That's a lie. So I'm taking the Falcons. Uh, you're taking Indy. Yes.
0: Bruce is taking the Colts. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of mixed opinions on this game. Per PFF, yes. Carolina Panthers at the Arizona Cardinals. You know what's most fascinating about this? Since you, I know how closely uh, you follow recruiting, in okay. college football, uh-huh. we have a battle of two former Texas A&M five-star quarterbacks,
1: Texas. Kyle Allen. How did Texas and A&M Murray... seem to get like every quarterback ever? Well, Everybody bo- seems to have started at Texas A&M. Well, they managed to make both of these guys transfer. Right. That's what I mean. So Kyle Allen transferred to Houston. Kyler Murray, of Somewhere along the way, everyone home. appears to have started at Texas A&M. How is that? Yeah. That's what they did. I don't know. They'd... Kevin Sumlin can recruit. And how can't they keep them? Well,
0: because maybe, maybe he lies to them. Oh. <laughs> or maybe they're not actually that good when they're there. Well, Kyler was. But, uh, Fair enough. He forced them out. All right. So Kyle Allen... Starting for the Carolina Panthers. uh, Was okay last year in a Week 17 game. Yeah. He was one of those guys who, like, his NFL stuff has been pretty good. But the college stuff previous to that does not give you a whole bunch of confidence in him.
1: We need to to lock Neil's pick in on on Stone here live in the podcast because he'll try and change this once he realizes that Kyle Allen is starting. He's got Carolina. He does. And I'm I'm pretty sure, (laughs) I'm not sure that he knows yet. That Kyle Allen not... That is not, officially not, official, not right? Can, I don't think it's official. It's one of those things that I think everyone just knows. Now. I mean, I did
0: Carolina radio today, and we're like, all right, let's talk about Kyle Allen. Right. What's going to happen?
1: But I think it's like, why? again, if you're the Panthers, you're not going to tell everyone, right? I guess. So I think it's like happening. Everyone knows it, but they're not making it official just in case. Just so we can have a Cam Newton nugget
0: on here. He's got the highest percentage of uncatchable passes in the NFL right now. He 34%. Bad. Pretty bad. So he has not played well... When he's been banged up, we're expecting Kyle Allen to start against Kyler Murray, the Texas A&M five-star reunion. What else are you looking for in this game?
1: The uh, grades in overall quarterback play is pretty spectacular. Kirk Cousins, if you basically factor in all of the pe- people that have played this year, Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback we've seen. Yeah. Um, let's say you limit it to a reasonable number of plays. Obviously, it's still Kirk Cousins. Teddy is next uh, based off that game. Ben Roethlisberger who was terrible before he got hurt. Um, Fitzpatrick is down there because, obviously, he's bad. Benched. Cam Newton is next, 31. Um, Cam Newton with an actual lower grade than Josh Rosen. Uh, so, yeah, Cam Newton has been pretty awful so far this season. Um, and you kind of have to wonder, when your main quarterback is playing that badly, I mean, how much worse can Kyle Allen be?
0: It's a fair point. Uh, so, yeah, it's weird because I think Carolina, again, last year at this time we were saying... When they were 6-2, and two, we said, look, they're not as good as a 6-2 and two team. They been, and then they regressed along with Cam's injury. This year, I don't think they're as bad as an 0-2 team. I think their defense has done a lot of nice things. Still have Keekly and Shaq Thompson in the middle. And uh, Bradbury's playing okay at corner. So, like, I think their defensive front is the best that they've trotted out there in a few years. There's still, like, a lot of things to like yeah. about Carolina. Their O-line has been a disaster, though. Darrell Williams <laughs> moving from right tackle to left tackle
1: has not worked well at all. No, it hasn't. He's been... Awful, um, and it, I mean, interestingly, he's basically only been good that one year. Like he hasn't actually played that much at no, his can. career. Um, he was he played like 650 snaps the year before his good year and wasn't particularly well, good. Brought, like, that was, year was insane because we we'd heard from the Panthers that they really liked this guy and it's he had like, never graded well. Right. And he, and he, he never had this particularly good grade. I think he'd shown flashes. We'd seen bits and pieces. It's like yeah, that's. I mean, it's. It's projecting a lot to say he's going to be good. Then he has this, like, pro-ball, all-pro caliber season at right tackle back in 2017, plays the full season, doesn't miss a snap, looks, you know, pretty spectacular that year, was good at run blocking, good in pass blocking, then gets hurt, doesn't play basically all of the next year. Then they flip him back to left tackle, and he's been awful. But that's where, it, when you bring him back, what, like one year, six million? It's like, all right, keep him at oh, right sure. tackle. Yeah, yeah.
0: Taylor uh, Moton on the other yeah, has played... Both sides, you know, and fairly he well. Good.
1: Yes. That's the interesting thing Just about it, is he he'd tackle. actually played well. Why? I don't know why you flipped that at all. I wouldn't have flipped him. But I don't even know if you know what Darryl Williams is right now. Like, he's had one really quality pro ball type season. He's been hurt almost the entire other time. And then the only other season you have on him, he played a okay disaster. Left tackle good. Right now. So, yeah, that's, that's not a, that doesn't appear to be great decision-making. Anything else in this one? Uh, Is Christian McCaffrey going to come off the field ever? No. No? He will not. Another 100% of snaps? We're all taking
0: Arizona except for Neil and Bruce.
1: Yeah. I guarantee
0: he's going to try and change. Change big. New York Giants at the Tampa Bay Bucs. Daniel Jones.
1: The Daniel Joneses.
0: Not making his debut, but making his first NFL start. Starting debut. Starting debut.
1: Yeah. That's obviously
0: something to watch. Going up against the Todd Bowles defense. They're going to play some man. They're going to zero blitz him. Might take some hits. The defense has played pretty well through a couple, you know, through two weeks. It should be a good one.
1: Hmm. I'm kind of curious. I, look, I, we said before, I don't know that he's going to be better than Eli, but there, A, isn't that much room to be that much worse. Like, Eli's not been good. Um, and, B, we said all along, like, unless you think playing him is going to hamper him, now's the time to play him because we need to see what he is. This is about the Giants' future. And that's what we're going to get a look at. He's been, he played really well in preseason compared to what we thought he would do. Um, everything, that was, everything that his supporters said about him as a draft prospect in terms of his competition, yada, yada, is all true. So we're going to see some changes in the NFL. But, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do against a scheme that will be aggressive and will come after him and will try and put him under a lot of pressure. Saquon Barkley averaging 7.8 yards per attempt through two weeks. That's pretty good. It's not Uh, helping much. New. I mean, if only only there was a way of predicting that. Um, What the hell has happened to O.J. Howard? He's in a Bruce Arians offense that doesn't feature the tight end. It doesn't have to feature him. Like It wasn't featuring him last year. He still played really well. He's playing poorly. Badly. Really badly. And across the board. He's not doing well at anything right now.
0: No, we had him
1: like primed for a potential breakout candidate role, given what we'd seen from him last year, Um, and particularly because one of the things that was impressive about him last year is that his average depth of target was insane. It was really high; like they sent him deep a lot, right? um, Compared to other tight ends, lined him up
0: out wide and made plays, and yeah,
1: so he was kind of like a match for this Bruce Arian system, albeit one that doesn't feature the tight end. Like he was a tight end that could flourish within this system, and yet he's playing terribly. Like, what is happening? Well, it's interesting because he had a—he didn't have a
0: great rookie season. Run blocking or, you know, fumbled five times. Yeah. Last year it was fantastic across the board. Became more of the run blocker than we expected. Of course, you mentioned the big play threat, and he's back to not being good again. Yeah. So I think it's all just working off small sample sizes, and he's somewhere in between.
1: <sighs> I mean, he'd want to get back to the somewhere in between fairly soon. Well, yeah. He's got to end up getting there at some point. Who are we going
0: with here? Tampa Bay hosting the Giants. I just could... The Giants, they have the worst coverage unit in the NFL right now. The yeah, Giants are really Worst bad. coverage. So this is um, MVP uh, James Winston game. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, maybe it's a week off. You're a week off. They go okay. up against the Giants at home. Hmm.
1: Or... Yeah, I mean, the Giants defense... Or Winston make... throws four picks and makes the Giants D look good. Yeah.
0: The Never Giants, know.
1: The Giants D will make... Uh, most people look pretty good. Did okay. you see... I was... I saw to do a video at some point. I was watching like Lyle Collins blocks and his sort of highlight reel going up against that Giants D was just, just oh God. Oh, it was great. Like Alec Ogletree against Lyle Collins was just an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, oh, he was, he was awesome. Giants were not. We're all taking the box. Yeah.
0: Pittsburgh Steelers at the San Francisco 49ers. Mason Rudolph making his first NFL start. Yes. And the 49ers with their first home game.
1: Yeah, so this is interesting because the 49ers probably aren't as good as a 3-0 team, which they could well get to. Um, the, Steelers, the Steelers are interesting because everything we said about why the offense will be okay, even without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, is still true. Um, the offensive line is really good, and it's intact. It's, you know, it's one of the more consistent units in the NFL. They still have a running game, uh, even if James Conner is banged up They've got players there that will generate success on the ground, and they've got weapons in the passing game, even if they don't necessarily make the best use of them. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is really good. They've got uh, tight ends. They've got running backs out of the backfield. They have young wide receivers that have shown glimpses of being really good. And then they have Dante Moncrief, who should never see the field again. Um, But... That is a reasonable situation to put a young quarterback into, especially one that is up upped his game, is playing at the level, that won him the backup job and made them seem pretty confident about him. And then the other thing, as we mentioned, when I read out that list of terribly grading quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger was down at the bottom. Like ben Roethlisberger has kind of been playing like crap. And there is, again, is not much room below that for, the, for Rudolph to be any worse. Yeah, he did a nice job in relief last week. So the Steelers are not a bad team, even though they're they haven't won. So they still have a
0: decent O line, the weapons you mentioned. The sec- having a Fitzpatrick in the sec- uh, in the secondary, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see if that can improve things. Their pass rush is number two in the NFL. Like they've got T.J. pieces Watson that are playing, playing really well. Yeah, um, um, I like. I, I'm the only one taking the Steelers here.
1: Apparently, yeah. Though now that I've just like talked it out, um, I don't hate their ability to win this game. I think they could do it. So
0: Rudolph coming out, our quick scouting report on him, really tough because sometimes he looked great. Other times it's like, man, why is he throwing this duck? Like, why this big guy does not have a cannon for an arm. He'd make an NFL throw. He'd make a bad throw. His accuracy was inconsistent. But he he just made a ton of plays down the field. And I thought his outside-the-numbers timing and accuracy was just fantastic. Like, he threw deep comebacks. Like, the routes that don't matter, he threw really well. (laughs) Deep comebacks, deep outs, like Peyton Manning style timing on the
1: outside there if i wonder if they could tap can they tap into that skill set in pittsburgh you have to think as well that the connection between him and james washington has to actually result in something positive i would think so right they were one of the best connections in all of college football when they were both playing together at oklahoma state they had the timing they had the understanding rudolph would put the ball up and let james washington go to work a lot of times he had that kind of um, nice arced throw deep down the field into that, into that sort of sideline bucket that combats the fact that the deep middle safety can't get there, as we talked about before. Yep. Now, if anything has been true this season, it's that James Washington has been criminally under-targeted by the Steelers. Right, The targets have either gone to Moncrief um, or they just haven't gone Washington's way. They've been force-feeding them to other people. They have to start using him more because at the moment, he's the guy that's been getting open deep. And those are the plays they need because they're probably not going to be as efficient as they would have been on a down-to-down basis now that Mason Rudolph is the quarterback. So let's try and make that up with some big chunk plays. And the guy looking likely to make those is James Washington. So let's throw him a few of these passes, rely on the fact that those two spent, what, three years doing this together, and let's assume they have some timing and chemistry together.
0: You get to see what Mason Rudolph has, what James Washington has, Deontay Johnson, Juju in year three. I mean, it's a... It, it might be an exciting time for Steelers fans to take a look at the youth movement and see what the future might be there. And if it's not, don't worry. The first... Oh, no, no, you don't have a first-round pick anymore. I created it for Minka. We talked about that in the last podcast. And then uh, San Francisco trying to go 3-0. and I think it's tough for their defense to maintain what they've been doing, but they're off to a pretty good start. Yeah. So everybody's taking the Niners except for me. It's too late for you to change your pick. Hmm. I don't feel great about it, but, you know. No, I'm, I I. I can I live with it. All right, two more games to get through. We've got Sunday Night Football, Los Angeles Rams at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland, everyone's darling this offseason. Yeah. Get destroyed by Tennessee in week one, Mm -hmm. and then pretty much dominate a game against Trevor Simeon and Luke Falk on Monday Night Football with a million sacks, and
1: never really threatened in that game. Do we know anything about the Browns at this point? (laughs) I honestly don't think we do. It's kind of bizarre. And it's weird because like Baker Mayfield has been so much worse than certainly I thought he would be this season in pretty much every area. And yet he's not bad. I think he's been playing okay. He's still actually grading better than the the numbers would indicate. Right. We've got like the
0: interception the other day is a pass that's normally deflected down into the ground rather than up to a defender. So there's but at the same time. I mean, you were, tweet- you were sending me a message like, hey, what's wrong with him?
1: Right. Like, he was just missing some easy throws and hanging some up there. It was like a wide open throw across the yeah. middle of the field at Baker airmail by like two and a half yards. And it's like the dude is supposed to be laser-like accurate. And he is most of the time. How is he missing that throw? That's a throw that a quarterback like that should literally never miss. Drew Brees would never miss that throw. Ever. You know what he's playing a little bit like? Is like, like a little roethlisberger
0: you know, like, holding the ball longer than expected. Yeah, where it just looks slightly... himself out with big-time throws. Where it just looks slightly panicked the whole time. Yeah, it's just not... And so, is he... Is the offensive line getting into his head? Plus, right. we, when we're grading games, we take very seriously the quarterback's role in pressure, right? Not just, do they hold the ball too long? Where are they dropping back to? Are they maintaining pocket integrity so that the left tackle doesn't look bad? And all that stuff. He was dropping back extremely deep in the pocket. That's not the, the best quarterbacks. Usually, they're like, hey, if my drop back's seven steps, I'm at nine, nine and a half yards, and that's it. I can't go any further because it screws up my offensive line. Baker yeah. looks uncomfortable. Is he thinking, man, I got Greg Robinson blocking for me?
1: Right. I don't know. And that's so that's a concern about this concept of, you know, quarterbacks are the most important thing when it comes to pressure rate. And you don't need a great offensive line. You know, it just needs to be able to hold up its end of the bargain and be okay. But if the quarterback starts to lose his trust in the offensive line, he's going to become the problem. And, you know, if you look at that, and you're like, well, the quarterback is the issue here. But the quarterback is the issue here because he no longer thinks the offensive line can block for him. So, this thing that the Browns did in the offseason, which was the only issue anybody had with the moves they were making, is okay, we've sent away one of the best pass blocking guards in the NFL. We've essentially not done a whole lot to address the offensive line and we've made it worse by sending away the best pass blocker on it now the concern with that is in theory that's fine if the quarterback is as good as we thought think thought baker mayfield is but does that get in his head do you now erode his confidence in the offensive line to the point where he starts to play differently and read worse because of that that's a real concern because They should just show them the grades and say it's not as bad as you think because they've been the top 12 or 13 unit But we've definitely seen offensive lines break quarterbacks in the past. And I don't mean physically, I mean mentally. Like, you break this guy to the point where he no longer believes you're going to hold up for any length of time whatsoever. You remember there was like a couple of seasons where Mark Bulger was like an all-pro? The dude looked phenomenal, and then he just got absolutely wrecked by that offensive line. To the point where by the end of his career, he had perfected the throw-and-cower move. <laughs> like the thing Eli's pretty good at these days. Blake uh, perfected that right. early in his career. But Mark Bulger was absolutely destroyed from being a legitimate star quarterback for a while. Kurt Warner was broken physically and mentally, I think, by the same offensive line. Um, you can wreck a quarterback if, if the line is bad enough. Now, I don't think Cleveland's line is bad enough for that to happen, but Baker's a young quarterback, so the standards might be different, right? What gets in his head might be yeah. less severe than what gets in Tom Brady's head or whatever. Either way, the
0: O-line hasn't been nearly as bad as, it, as maybe people think, so, think or it seems. And I didn't think I'd say it, but Baker's got to do some of the little things a little bit better. Yeah. You know, hit the easier throws, pocket integrity, all that fun stuff. On the other side, the Rams, uh, we mentioned the number two coverage unit. In the NFL right now, that's after playing Cam, who's missing throws and stuff, right? You're, so it's after playing Cam, um, and then last week playing Teddy Bridgewater in yeah. relief. So you know, that, that's a factor as well. But there, especially when I keep Talibs out there, we mentioned all last, last year, that's a, a tough defense to go against mm-hmm. with Wade Phillips.
1: Yeah, and then I think the other thing that's interesting is, is Cleveland's defensive line able to get after the Rams because their offensive line has been not good. They've
0: been bad. They've
1: taken a big step backwards, and that's a potential major problem for
0: them. They're By the way, last in pass-blocking efficiency, third, uh, third lowest pass-blocking grade, it goes Seattle, Minnesota, and then the Rams. Yeah. That was unexpected.
1: Right. They, they've been really bad, so the Browns' defensive line is definitely good enough to get after them and really make a mess of that. By the way, why was Miles Garrett so mad against the Jets? I don't know. He was taking like a lot of you know iffy shots. He seemed like such a nice guy when we were talking to him. He was a nice guy, he especially went, when everybody else was fighting, and he's like, "Right, got no time for that." Then he went out there and smushed Trevor Simeon, like wrecked his ankle on what was a fairly you know borderline hit. Uh, imagine people thought he was too soft because he plays an instrument. Right. It was a couple of those that were like, "Why? I mean, what's he doing?" Those are those are. If they came from another player, and Damocan Sue say, the word dirty would be plastered all over Twitter that well, day. Well, I think one of the best points you've ever made
0: is the Quentin Nelson teabagging point. <laughs> Remind me? Well, if anybody else, like, because it's an old lineman doing it, doing it it's like endearing. Look okay. at the way he buries this dude in the dirt and then uh, <laughs> does some questionable after the play type stuff. But when a D lineman does something, right. it's dirty. dirty. Yeah. As I keep thinking, like Quentin Nelson's like the most loved offensive lineman in the NFL, right? Because he buries people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he'd done the same thing to Trevor Simeon, if Quentin Nelson had done it to a linebacker, the guy would be being hailed as a hero. Yeah, for, it's like, oh, good job for he wrecked that guy so hard he injured him. How gritty, stole his soul. Right. Whereas, nice job. Whereas Garrett, it's like, did you really have to jump on Trevor Simeon like that after he, you know? Yeah. So why don't you start showing some consistency? Looks kind of mean. I haven't said either way. I, I'm. You're questioning Miles Garrett. I, I also questioned football. the tea bagging. Oh, good job! <laughs> all
0: right, where are we going with this thing, Rams? Uh, yeah, we're all taking. I'm taking L.A.R. Bruce taking the Rams mm-hmm. in all caps. He's yelling
1: his picks. The next pick, he did not yell. Oh, well, it's only because he didn't pull that one in. He put Chicago. Oh, somebody typed in Chicago he lowercase. For, he forgot to hit enter on that cell, so we had to fill it in again for he
0: him. He wanted to take Washington because I asked him in person. He changed his mind. So we're all taking the Bears over the Redskins on Monday Night Football, except Austin. Except for Austin, huh? Yeah, Austin's, Austin's gone with the Redskins. Uh, Case Keenum, I didn't really, because I've, I've been grading a lot of the throws yeah. and all that stuff, and I've watched a lot of Case Keenum. Uh-huh. And there are definitely points in the season where I only know the grade or I only know what I saw. Yeah. And then I looked up the other day, and his stats are ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's really interesting, though. So that's the fun thing. Case Keenum is definitely due for some kind of, like, come back down to earth because right now his touchdown to, interce- or touchdown to interception ratio, five touchdowns, zero picks. His big-time throw to turnover-worthy play rate is two big-time throws to three turnover-worthy plays. And he's had some bad turnover-worthy plays in there. So this is one of those you know, Matt Ryan from a couple of years ago deals where the numbers are just not matching up to what's actually happening right now. And at some point, that's going to swing back. And and, against Chicago, pretty good defense. Right. That's a reasonable shot that this comes to fruition this time. So they've been like playing teams pretty closely like good teams Dallas yeah. and Philadelphia they've played them both pretty close but because the num- because like because the reality hasn't quite matched yeah. with what was act- what was going on so now if that actually starts to happen and suddenly Keenan turns the ball over two times in a game which is basically almost what he's averaging right now if that happens against you know they say the bears are slightly better neither either of those defenses therefore one and a half turnover where he plays per game kicks up to two And they both actually end up in turnovers. Suddenly, what is a... He's throwing four picks. Right. Well, But the point is, that's going from playing a good team tough to being blown out because your quarterback turned the ball over a few times.
0: Just in case my Thursday night prediction's not good. Okay. I think on this podcast, I think you probably nailed what happens with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. And then I'm going to... Say Keenum's got like four turnovers on Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, so if, if Thursday Night Football didn't work for us, maybe we revert back to this one.
1: All right, yeah. From maybe, a prediction maybe, maybe. standpoint,
0: yeah. Mitch Trubisky, by the way, the second highest percentage of uncatchable passes. Again, don't be alarmed. He's literally playing the same way he did last year.
1: He's just not getting the schemed up plays. I mean, that he had. Last year. I think no. I think be alarmed because well, don't be he's surprised. A problem, a quarterback. Be alarmed. Um, Honestly, Trubisky's I think that,
0: gotta play better. I mean, he has to play better for the Bears. I was explaining to I was explaining to Kelly right before they made the ridiculous comeback. I was like, the Bears are about to be 0-2 <laughs> by well, scoring
1: like eight points in two games. One of but two things, one and one One of two things, if not both of the two things, need to happen for the Bears. One, Trubisky needs to play significantly better. Two, they need to stop, they need to stop trying to idiot proof the offense for him. Right? The thing, the only thing that made this team halfway decent last year on offense was the fact that the scheme was so good and it could overcome the fact that Trubisky wasn't actually playing that well in it. You know, it was making him look way better than he was and in doing so overcame the fact that he wasn't playing that well. So if you start to pare that down and start to try and limit what you're asking him to do to get him to play better, all you're doing is making the overall sum of the parts worse. So at the very minimum, what you need to do is say, look, either you're going to sink or swim within this scheme that we know works. But what we are going to do is run the scheme that we know works because that's the best thing we have going for us. What you can't do is say, Well, we need to, if we can we can get Mitch playing a little bit better, but we need to make the offense way worse for that to happen. Like that's no. just that makes no sense.
0: They need I mean, last year it was, you know, the jump balls were working, the uh, Tariq Cohen after the catch stuff was working, the schemed up stuff was working. Now you're getting almost nothing from Taylor Gabriel.
1: The you only mean, person playing mean, well in this offense is Allen Robinson. Yeah.
0: He's the only one with a grade. Above average,
1: yeah. Poor Allen Robinson.
0: Robinson. Um, Just to circle back real quick on Case Keenum, somebody was tweeting the other day some of the differences between PFF grade and QBR. I did find another little hole in QBR because they claim that look drop. You know, we take we take into account drops, yeah, in in interception context. But Drew Brees, I know how the QBR system works. You know, it's a lot of air yards and all that stuff, Um, and EPA driven. Drew Brees interception, like he had a bad QBR the other day. All he did on five throws was throw two first downs mm-hmm. with air yards, have one, you know, one incompletion, and then throw a completion up the seam that became an interception. So in our world, it was a positive grade. He had a bad QBR because they count the interception. It works against him. Case Keenum is one of those guys who's like top 10 right now in QBR and like bottom five yeah, or bottom 10 in in PFF grades because they're not taking into account those turnover-worthy plays. Mm-hmm. They're, so again, my whole thing with a quarterback uh, evaluation system if I throw a pass directly to you, whether you catch it or not doesn't change the pass. And if the evaluation system is not treating the same throw with different results as the same, then there's something off.
1: But yeah. you're not really isolating the quarterback's it's, play. It's very very hard to do it on certainly in a in a small sample size way in any way that doesn't qualitatively look at throws and say that was this was this or that. Like in maybe in macro terms you can start diving into just some of the advanced numbers and actually end up pulling the meaningful things out of it. But it's because the noise has been, like, weeded out over, you know, a thousand snaps. But
0: it's just like like passer rating over a 15-year period is probably going to get you That's what I'm the saying, best right? quarterbacks, right? So you can probably will
1: get you there, too. You can probably look at some of these, you know, adjusted yards numbers and all this kind of stuff if you're talking over a season or over multiple seasons because those plays have been kind of— the noise has been gotten rid of, right? right. But if you're looking at, like, a game and being like, well, that guy's— Whatever adjusted net yards per attempt says this, that I mean that could be anything. It could be yeah, because
0: like the t- for adjusted net right. yards per attempt, the tipped ball that's an interception
1: there counts. Could way be worse. anything at play yeah. happening in a, in a single game sample size that and, won't be accurately reflected in that. And last year,
0: while Trubisky was ranked like thirty third or something for us, he was fourth in QBR in part because of his rushing prowess, but also because the jump balls that we were maybe zeroing to Aaron Robinson yeah. were caught. The 50-yard pass that to nowhere that was a Hail Mary that just counted as 50 air yards. With That was context-free. Like, he earns that, you know? So, that's my—the disconnect with QBR, if you guys are ever comparing that with PFF grade. All right. That's it. A tidy hour and 45 minutes. We did it. I love it. We've mm-hmm. done five hours of podcast—what? What, I'm losing track. Four hours of podcasting this, this lot, week? Lot it's lot great. I think we just just bringing the content— for our fans, we're really appreciative because a
1: lot of people are listening. Apparently, the live chat, watching, the live chat on YouTube, exploded with the Rosen news. Did it really? I uh, saw. So well, I wasn't keeping tabs Same, on it, but I was. I was informed that it exploded. Yeah. I hope not literally, because that would make a mess. I no, want to clean that up. Wouldn't
0: want that. All right, guys. Everybody enjoy week three. We'll be back on Monday with your full review podcast.